Hello, Dr. Dyke Drummond here at the home of TheHappyMD.com in beautiful Seattle, Washington. Welcome to the latest episode of the Physicians on Purpose podcast. Tools so you can recognize and prevent your own burnout. Stories of burnout put to its highest and best use and wellness leadership strategies. Everything you need to be a physician on purpose. Hello again, Dr. Dyke Drummond here at the home of The Happy MD in beautiful Seattle, Washington, with the latest edition of the Physicians on Purpose podcast. I got a repeat player here. Dennis Hirsch is my favorite contract lawyer for doctors. And what we're going to do here is give you a preview and a review of shenanigans with physician employment contracts in 2023 things to watch out for in 2024. And just to give you a little heads up, there is a pattern in what's happening when doctors are giving notice that they want to leave a practice that I had not heard of until I talked to Dennis just about five minutes ago. So this is going to be really cool. Dennis, welcome back to the program. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. Real quick, before we go any further, tell everybody your website. Oh, it's PA healthlaw.com, physician agreements, healthlaw.com. Or Pennsylvania. <laughs> Are you in Pennsylvania? In Pennsylvania, yeah. Oh, there you go. So it's a double meaning. Okay, great. So I work with a lot of doctors who, uh, for one reason or another, either quit their job to find a new one in order to relieve their burnout, or in the process of exploring their options, take a look at the contract they signed years ago that has them stuck where they are right now. And it's always revealing when they come back and tell me the exact parameters of the contract, because it doesn't necessarily match what they thought they understood. And then there's always the question of, I might leave if it's relatively painless and easy, and I might stay if it's onerous. And that always, always depends on two things. And I'm just going to line this out for the non-lawyers, okay? It depends on what the contract says. However, it also depends on what they do, because many, many times your employer will not enforce every word, every comma, every period of your contract. And this is one of the things that you and I were talking about, Dennis. Everybody lives in fear of their non-compete clause lives in fear of their termination notice clause, right? But it's amazing how infrequently those things are are actually enforced. So pick one of those topics and let's talk about what you've been seeing and what you expect in the near future, Dennis. Well, as far as um, the termination clause, the most common one I see is 90 days uh, without cause. It cuts both ways. You know, the employer can terminate you. You can terminate without cause on 90 days. I would say the vast majority of times when physicians give their notice, it is really unusual for them to be required to work the 90 days. Because if you think about it, nobody wants a physician who doesn't want to be there. Now, I can't say I've had some that said, fine, we're scheduling you through 90 days. But by far, the majority of employers, I've had some say, great, don't come in tomorrow. I've had more say, we've got you scheduled through next week. And then that's it after next week. And of course, we have a 90-day obligation to you. So we're going to pay you for 90 days. 
but it's pretty unusual for a physician to actually work those 90 days. Well, and you say pretty unusual, put a percent on that. And I know this is spitballing, but what do you got? This is anecdotal, but I'm going to say maybe 5%. Okay. So hang on a second, 19 times out of 20, when you're working with somebody who gives notice, they say, hey, work out, work through the people that are already on your schedule. We'll make sure nobody else gets booked and then you can take off and here's your here's your pay for 90 days. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. A- great. Wow. Okay. Did everybody hear that? <laughs> you, dear listener, did you hear that? Now, that's not to say that when you put in your notice, they're going to do that. But boy, it seems to be really common for a guy who's a lawyer who does contract law. Okay. That's what he's seeing. Now, let's talk a little bit, too, about one of the other bits of nuance around termination clause, and that's whether or not you can use your accumulated vacation time to quit earlier. Talk about that just a little bit. Well, that's something you want to get when you do your contract, because a lot of contracts I see the first draft says, hey, after notice is given, you can't do CME and you can't take vacation. So that's something you want to get up front. You know, if you got three weeks vacation, you know, let, let's let's get it and get paid for that at least, even if they're, if you're one of the 20, you know, that, that they say, no, we want you working, you ought to be able to take your vacation. Well, and I'll say too, for all of you who are listening that uh, take all your vacation right now, don't have a big pile of it sitting there, please <laughs> do it now. <laughs> Like give your notice after a month abroad or something like that, right? (laughs) You're not saying burnout's an issue, are you? (laughs) Right. Well, no, I'm saying they owe you. It's it's a feature of the contract that doctors typically allow to accumulate because of our workaholic tendency and putting the patient first. It's a boundary issue. So if you've got two, four, six, eight weeks of accumulated vacation time, please take it now. I don't care if you love your job or not. Take it now. You'll be a better doctor when you come back from from four weeks in Italy, even if you love your practice right now. If you're burned out, it's going to be awesome. Okay, but take it now. Don't get to a point where you say, I am out of here, and they deny you access to you know 40 days of your 90-day notice because um, it's an arbitrary thing that's in your contract. And again, what Dennis does is review contracts before you sign them. He also helps people get out of contracts that are already signed. But if you're anticipating or in the process of negotiating a contract, uh, you're changing jobs and they've given you their boilerplate. Remember, it's boilerplate. It's just there is no thought process applied to it. Grab Dennis, let him do your um, your uh, contract review. And Dennis, you have a package for that, right? Yeah, I do. Everything I do is is fixed fee. Okay. Oh. And, I, and I never have any association financially with anybody that I talk to on the podcast or in my business. There nobody. I don't ever promote anybody for a kickback. So I, I just know Dennis because he's a good guy and we've spent some time together and I trust his judgment. Plus he's, you know, armpits deep in this topic. So he's an actual expert in these kinds of issues. So there you go. Termination clauses. In Dennis's experience, 19 times out of 20, you put in your notice, they're going to say, clean up the books for the appointments that you have, and then we'll pay you, and you, but you don't have to keep coming in. Anyhow, up front, get as long as you can in terms of a termination notice clause. By the way, it goes two ways. They have to notify you. You have to notify them if you're leaving without cause. And um, make sure that your vacation is a piece of that. Dennis can help you negotiate these things. So there you go termination clause. Let's talk a little bit about 
non-competes and stuff like that? Well, I've I've had some tragic cases. I had somebody come to me and say, I know they can't enforce my covenant not to compete. I paid this big law firm and here's the eight page legal memo that they prepared that says this is not enforceable. You know, the, the sad thing is, though, the market's going to enforce it. Um, you go to your new employer and if a new employer hires you in violation of your covenant not to compete, that new employer is now intentionally interfering with a contractual relation. And here's the thing. I don't care if it's a practice or a hospital. Nobody says, I'm happy to pay my lawyer and go to court because my lawyer says we'll win. You know, said no employer ever. So don't ever look at this thing and say, oh, that's unenforceable. I don't have to worry about it. You know, the, the key isn't whether a court will enforce it. The key is if the market will enforce it and they will. True story. I represented somebody that uh, I didn't represent him on his first contract, but he signed a 65-mile covenant not to compete in not a particularly rural area. He was looking at a job 63 miles away at a hospital. So we pointed that out to the general counsel, and the counsel and I talked and agreed that first employer would be crazy to even bring it because they'd probably lose, and then all their covenant not to compete for all their physicians would be in doubt. So we agreed, yeah, there's no way this thing's going to get enforced. Two days later, general counsel called me and said, we decided not to hire your guy because my client doesn't want to risk going to court. Right. So it wasn't because they enforced it. It was because the new employer was afraid to. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Market will. Don't ever assume, oh, it won't be enforced. And a lot of people are drawing a lot of hope from the F the Federal Trade Commission put out something that says we're thinking about making uh, non-compete clauses illegal. First of all, I'm trying to think, I believe it's Section 5 of the Federal Trade Commission Act that they get their power under, says no person shall uh, act in restraint of trade. A person is an individual or an entity, such as a partnership or corporation, organized for profit. So, oh, so the nonprofits can violate it. <laughs> yeah, they have no authority. Even if they did pass something that said non-competes, you can't do them has no impact on a nonprofit hospital. A lot of states have them, but mostly they'll say you can't do a non-compete for somebody that makes under $60,000. I think in DC, it's it's a quarter of a million. That's the highest I've seen. But I don't, don't expect uh, regulators to come in and fix this. Um, just based on the past, it's not going to help physicians. Okay. And so what that means is, this what we're talking about right now is if you don't know your non-compete clause, go grab your contract and learn it right now so that going forward, you at least know the the outline of that, the box inside which you must color. And then let's talk about what you do in your negotiations up front before you sign a contract. Talk to us about uh, non-compete clause contract negotiations. It's got to be reasonable. I mean, that's the biggest thing. I see these hospitals that say you won't work within, you won't practice medicine within 50 miles, even worse. I've seen you won't work for an employer that has a site within 50 miles of any of our sites. So you could have a 800 mile covenant not to compete. Right. right. System goes out 300 miles, and the other big health system goes out 300 miles. So you have to look at what that radius is drawn. It ought to be around where you were, not any place your employer has a site. And it has to prohibit you working within some radius, not working for somebody 
that is within that radius. I think that's one of the biggest things because uh, these huge health systems now, you can be blocked out of just enormous territory. And again, are they going to enforce it? Probably not. But um, that's not that's not relevant, though. You said it's not about whether they enforce it. Yeah, it's about whether the person who's going to be your new employer is willing to sign knowing they're in violation of the existing non-compete. Because what happens when they sign is they become the deep pocket. Yep, exactly. And they can come against you. So yeah, yeah, you just got to assume. So you got to do it reasonable. And there's some things in virtually any state, it, they won't enforce it in court if the employer terminates you without cause. So you're they're really not giving you that much. I mean, to me, that's only fair. Hey, sorry, it didn't work out. By the way, you can't practice medicine within 50 miles of here. You know, if they terminate you without cause, then the covenant should not apply. And then should there's some, you said should should not, but a lot of times uh, they will say that if this agreement terminates for any reason, um, then this is the covenant that applies, which includes like us saying, "Hey, sorry, it didn't work out." Uh, but by the way, you can't work now. They'll never enforce that in court, but again, you know, the employer, the other employers, will enforce it. So. Okay, so if I am looking at my contract and it says for any cause, that means even if they fire me, right? So what we want this clause to say is specific radius from where you're sitting right now, not the facilities of your new employer or your old employer. Specific radius, specific um, you working in your specialty, and it doesn't it doesn't apply if they fire you. Well, if they terminate you without cause, if they terminate fire you without cause, okay, yeah, yeah, if they fire you, then probably it's it's acceptable. Okay, cool. All these oh, permutations. <laughs> <laughs> so we've talked about termination clauses. We've talked about and the fact that there they appear there appears to be a pattern of them not being enforced. They'll pay you for the termination uh, time frame, but allow you to go uh, more often than not once your currently scheduled patients are taken care of, non-compete clauses and the subtleties about that. Let's talk too, because I've heard a lot of, of, of chatter from my clients about bonuses, uh, the kind of bonuses that you're seeing, the kind of things you have to do to get the bonus, how many, how many different ways a person who has a bonus contract gets screwed out of the bonus, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's a whole lot to unpack there. But... <laughs> The one that I see that physicians make me crazy is that I'll say, hey, there's a WRVU threshold here, and that's over the 75th percentile of productivity. And they'll go and talk to the other physicians and come back and say, no, it's okay. They're all hitting it. Now, to me, that doesn't give me encouragement. Everybody around me is working above the 75th percentile of productivity is not something I call a good thing. But physicians just think in terms of, oh, I can make it. It is an achievable bonus. You know, is it a reasonable bonus? And and that's why MGMA has benchmarks. You know, if they're paying you median compensation, then I don't have a problem with not giving you a bonus unless you do over median production. That's fair. But so many times I see we pay you maybe a little below median and we'll give you a bonus if you, you know, produce over the 75th percentile of productivity. You have to look at these too. The quality are particularly are the bonuses that particularly make me nuts. I mean, a lot of times it's if we determine that you know, <laughs> if CEO's bonus is locked in, then you know, maybe we'll, we'll get you yours. Excuse me, I'm laughing. 
Um, well, and let's talk about a little bit different bonus, not a performance bonus, but a bonus that's applied up front to the signing of the contract because the opportunity is a difficult one to fill or bonuses that you see, for instance, there's a whole bunch of people that are getting bonused when their group gets buyed out by private equity that has like a three-year contract on it, big bonuses, right? But you got to work for three years. Talk about those kind of contract specific, but not performance uh, generated bonuses. Well, again, I think it's a question of fairness. A lot of those say, if your agreement terminates within three years, if it terminates for any reason within three years, I've seen some that you pay the whole thing back. Right. So if, if you work there 35 months and then they have the audacity to up and die, uh, you know, your heirs have got to pay back the whole bonus. So for any reason. Right. Any reason. You know, like I said, you had the audacity to die. So your heirs are going to have to or become disabled. Um, you know, most of these do have monthly amortization. And that's something I go for. So if it's a three year agreement every month, 136 should be forgiven, you know, not you do 36 months, 35 months, 29 days, you pay us everything, you know, three months, it's forgiven. Well, and it's interesting, right? Um, sometimes these bonuses are handed to you every dollar right up front. And the yeah. negotiation is about a repayment, the conditions that would trigger repayment. Yeah. Uh, some Sometimes it's uh, it's parsed out every six months, you get a, you get a schwack. So those are um, things that can be designed in any one of a number of permutations. Yeah. And a lot of people get offended, and I don't. Uh, a lot of people structure it as a loan, which is really what it is under any circumstance. If you think about it, I'm paying you this, but if you don't work for three years, you have to pay it back. That's a loan. So right, people right. are kind of upset when you sign a promissory note. I don't. I mean, it just, you know, and it's good, better for tax purposes. You get forgiven, uh, you know, over, over some period of time. Uh, so, so a loan is not a bad thing. The other thing I see, not so much in a buyout, but somebody coming in, is we're going to guarantee your salary for a year, and we're giving you a sign-on bonus. If you don't work here three years, you have to pay it back. To me, it's like you should have to pay it back. The amortization period should be when your salary is guaranteed. You know, we you come in there and you say, oh, we're making a whole lot of money on your service lines. We hired five new physicians. And Oddly enough, they're just not very busy. They're not productive at all, but it's no problem for us. We're paying you on productivity. So you're not making much, uh, but you can't leave or you got to pay back our signing bonus. So I think that signing bonus should be attached to the, the time that your income is guaranteed, not the time that the contract lasts. So we've talked about termination clauses, non-compete clauses, bonuses for performance or not, signing bonuses, guaranteed salaries. What other hot topics are you are you do you want to talk to doctors about just real briefly in our last few minutes that you're thinking they need to know about in 24? Well, I, I think the biggest thing is you've talked about the uh, the cliff of the boomers, you know, retirement and everything. And, and it's not so much 24 as always. Think about what you've done to get where you are. You're not a commodity. Uh, you, you know, they desperately need physicians. I see so many physicians that feel like they're competing for a position. And if they've given you a job offer, they're competing for you. So you don't try and impress them with how quickly you'll jump on whatever they're throwing you. 
it, you know, you've got a very rare ability right now, an ability that we need more of as the people that can do it are dropping off. So just know what you're worth. You know, look at look at some benchmarks that helps, but be willing to negotiate. Don't don't let them get away with. Well, this is this is what we pay all our physicians because that's probably not true. Because because and this is what we teach. Know your ideal job description. Know what, exactly what it is you're looking for. If this if you consider your career to be a game, know how to win. Know what it looks like. It's a bullseye that you're aiming yourself at. And it'll never be in the job description and the contract that they turn around and pull out of a drawer boilerplate. Nobody ever gave a thought about you when they wrote that contract. So you have to, you have to, you have to negotiate to make that contract and that job description resemble more your ideal job description. It's not about whether they give you a contract, it's whether they give you a job that matches as much as possible, your ideal job description. It's not about pick me, pick me. Hey, they gave me a job offer. They want me. Irrelevant. It's about whether that position is at least a 70% match for your ideal job description. And fortunately or not, what you have to do is actually outline that position as best you can in the forms of legal language in a contract before you sign it. Never, ever sign a boilerplate contract. Never look and say, well, I can't, ma I can't ask for this or I can't ask for that. And that's why I think it's really important, especially now when things are fluid, mobile. I mean, I'm assuming, dear, dear listener, that you have learned something on this call, on this podcast, that you didn't know about some of these clauses. That's what happens when you get legal counsel before you sign. So, um, Dennis, any last words? Reiterating what you said, don't go for the standard contract. I see hospitalists presented with contracts that have a covenant not to compete. Now, now why? I was in the hospital and some guy in a white coat treated me. Am I going to learn he moved to the hospital across town and take my business there? No. Same with anesthesiologists. I mean, maybe pain management. You know, radiologists, if you're not really, if 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 I don't consider you my physician, then you shouldn't be signing a covenant not to compete. You're not taking away. Okay, there's another pearl. Okay, great. So thanks again, Dennis. Give us your, your website again, please. PAHealthLaw.com. Physician Agreements Health Law is the name In of Pennsylvania. <laughs> right on. So it's in 50 states. So. Thanks again. Dennis. Yes, he, he does he does things in 50 states for all specialties. So it's it's about contracts. Uh, not about Pennsylvania. Sorry. <laughs> so here we go. Dyke Drummond at the Happy MD in beautiful Seattle, Washington, with Dennis Hirsch, your physician employment contract update 2024. Um, watch and listen for the latest edition of the Physicians on Purpose podcast. Until then, keep breathing. Have a great rest of your day.